Hey, Kim. Hey. Why do cows wear bells? I don't know. Why do cows wear bells, Jen? Because their horns don't work. So I need to start today's episode with a correction. Okay. Um, I shared the wrong Twitter handle last uh, episode for Paul West. He was the one who shared how to make the, the animated GIF. Um, yes header in Google Classroom. So Paul, I'm so sorry. I know on Twitter you said I didn't have to correct it, but I'm going to. <laughs> Paul, um, you should follow him. He's awesome. On Twitter is at PWTech. So P-D-U-B-Y-A-T-E-C-H. And last episode I said it was Paul W or P.W. West, which is his last name, but it's not. It's PWTech is where you can find him. And I put the correct uh, link and, and handle in Still episode great, one's show notes as well as these ones. Still a great handle. It's the, a phenomenal with the handle. the W. W. I love it. Nice. I love it. Okay, Kim, tell me, you shared something with earlier this week. You said, I just have two words, and you said the words, or you, you sent them to me on a message, and you said, but I'm not telling you about it until we record. So now Kim and I don't talk because <laughs> we save everything for here. It has to be spontaneous. It's okay. fun. So I was working earlier in the week with a colleague, Andrea Brown. She's amazing. She's wonderful. Um, She showed me an app, and I was trying to figure out whether or not I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I I like it. I really like it. But I'm curious to know what you think. Okay. So the app is called Photomath. It's for iOS, Android. It's a free app. Oh, I like free. Yes, free is good. Okay, so Photomath. What it is is... You have a math question, any kind of math question. Three I, plus two. I do have some. <laughs> three plus two, square root of something times something, whatever your math question is, okay. um, low to high. You write it down on a piece of paper, and the app opens to a camera. Okay. And you hover the iPhone or whatever your device is over the question, and it appears right on your screen and oh, yeah. solves it for you. Hey, right yeah. then there. There's the answer. Three plus two times five equals 13. And it knows to use bed mass. Yes, it does. So then you click on the answer and it breaks the question down into all the different steps, oh. order of operations, whatever is necessary. Yep. And so now I can click on the drop down arrow as it's solving the question and it tells me exactly what it's done. It highlights the part of the question that it solved. So it's breaking it down for me so I can understand the process. Right, so we're not just talking answers here, we're talking solutions. Yes, we're awesome. talking process, the thinking that's involved. Yeah. Now, if it was a question, for example, like 3 plus 5b equals 13. Ooh, beautiful. Come here. There we go. So it solved it for me. It told me what the variable was, b equals 2. B equals 2. And then... It shows me, it breaks down all the steps, and if I go, oh, not that one. Okay, so if I find one that has uh, a graph that's associated with it, it will also graph it for me. So, okay, can I try one? Yeah. So if I'm going to write, like, y um, equals x squared for the traditional parabola, right? We're yep. Grade 10 math. So let's see what happens here. y equals x squared, so it's found it. That looks very fancy. Very fancy. I don't know that answer. And look at that. There's my beautiful parabola. I love it. Okay, so now I can click on it, and it will explain things to me. Now, I don't understand what that means because... <laughs> it, it tells you that X is anywhere in the um, the range of real numbers. That just looks like an E. Yeah. <laughs> and the R is real numbers. Okay. It's good. It's good. It's but right. It's, it's accurate. Thank you. So then you have this other icon. It's a little book. And this is the history of all the questions you've ever tried. Oh, so you can see any question you've ever put in there, mm-hmm. call it back up again, and then see the process you went through. So here's what I'm thinking. This is one of those tools where you could use this 
and it might not be effective because oh I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat on my work in class today I'm just gonna get the answer but the that's same thing that we can do with when you, the answers at the back of the book right right but if we're thinking about using this tool to help our thinking yeah then you could have a student say I don't get the answer to this question I see I know what the answer is you're telling me what it yeah. is but let me break it down my teachers on the other side of the room I'm working with a small group let's see if I can break down the answer yeah. to this question or I got the answer right but I don't know how I got it I got this step wrong, let me check yeah, my or process. Or I need a hint. Like yeah. think escape room where you're like, just yes. bring it in. Don't tell me the answer on how to like escape from this room. Yes. Just give me one hint to move me forward. So maybe yes. they're all going to look at the line that they're not quite yeah. at yet. And I love when it because here, there. right here it says square root of nine. It says it's three. But if I click on these arrows, it also breaks it down into other formats that I could do. So it's helping us explain exponents. Yeah. So anyways, it was a tool. I found it really interesting. I think it could be used for good. I like that. Do you know what I'm thinking, Kim, is that history is really fascinating to me because if I'm, if I'm struggling in a question, I could take that and if the next day in class I'm taking up um, work with a group or work with my teacher or I'm the teacher and the students and be like, would you struggle with? They would have that history they may not remember. So yeah. we're coming up on a long weekend, for example. Yes. You know, if you assign something on Thursday, you don't take it up by Tuesday. They may not have any recollection of what they struggled yeah. with and what they didn't. That's really cool. So I like that. I like it too. Photo math. Photo math. Free Android and iOS. iOS. Beauty. Good share. Check it out. Okay, so I'm going to go, um, I'm going to do two sort of little shares having to do with um, Google tools and products. And the first one is sharing. So one pet peeve of mine is when I go into any kind of um, workshop and they share a link with me and that white screen pops up that says, do you want to make a copy of the document that they're trying to share with you? And you have to press that blue button copy. And then it goes into my drive, but I have no idea what it looks like. I'm going to be honest. I do get a little anxious sometimes because even though I know nothing bad is going to happen, I don't know what I'm making a copy of. Yeah. I want to know what it is. Well, I want to see it. And I have things like my drive is organized in a, yeah. in a really you know, a way that works for me. So I really want to make sure that as soon as it comes in and that yellow bar at the top that stays on just for yeah, a little that bit. Where it says organized. Where it says organized. Yeah. Exactly. That I can click that and know where I'm headed with it. And so I often use the trick where, so when you force copy something, essentially all you have to do, and anyone who doesn't know how to do this, here's how, you take the URL of any Google product and at the very end, the last backslash, it says edit and then maybe some stuff after that. You change that word edit to copy. So when I get that and it says copy, I change it back to edit because what it gives me is whatever level of privilege I have, right? So I'd get a view only copy and yes. I can see, and then I go to file, make a copy. But I've recently, like, it's like the universe has been willing me to learn this because I've heard it in three or four different places, learned about something called the template preview. So instead this of- This is new. This is new to me. It's not new to others. But instead of having the slash copy at the end to yeah. force a copy, you can do slash template or template gif gif ah. and slash preview so what it does slash it, slash template slash preview correct and when you pull it up what happens is this so what <laughs> that's the that's what, what? i want to share and you'll notice it's a preview Almost like if you right click and hit preview or if you um, in the drive or if in the drive you highlight anything and push the letter P, um, it pulls up a preview. It gives you a preview, but in the top right corner, there's a blue button that says use template. So now when I click that use template, it's pretty phenomenal because my mind is blown. Yeah. I'm sorry. And it, um, it's also awesome because when you go in, like it just, it doesn't say the copy of. Yes, because whenever you do 
force copy, the new file that's created has copy of at the front, but this one just takes that title right there? Yes, it takes that title. Um, and so I love it. And then I'd be like, yeah, I do want to use this template. And then it goes into my drive again. I can organize it right away, but I've been able to see it before I, I copy it. And I think this is a really great way too. Like if you have a website that you've designed or anything like that, that you want to share out your things instead of like, instead of people, you know, that, oh, they're requesting access, they're requesting access. It's like, no, you should file, make a copy. This is a neat way for them to be able to see it before it goes out. So I, I love I think, that. Yeah. I also love in the top right hand corner, there's the use template button. I feel like I have a choice. Yeah. Totally. And it looks pretty professional. Like it, I, I love this. This is, it may not seem like a big thing, but <laughs> it's a big game changer. For anybody that is leading workshops, leading yeah. sessions, this is huge. Yeah. This is, this is awesome. I love it. I love it. So thank yeah, you. You're welcome. So speaking of leading workshops or anything like that, that sort of segues really nicely into my next little share. And that is editing a master slide. Yes. So in a slide deck, and you and I both do this in, in our day-to-day -day roles, um, I like to include a shortened URL for anything um, that I'm sharing. Partly, like, so you'll probably, it'll probably come up on again on the show. And if you've met me, you know I have a mild form of dyslexia. And so when you use those like goo.go links yes, yes. with the letters and numbers and uppercase and lowercase, I have a lot of anxiety around that because I always copy it wrong. Even like phone numbers now, I love that I can use text to, or voice to, voice text, to text to like put in, say, call this number because I, I mix them around. So yeah. for me, I've always used customized um, URL shorteners. Even if it's not customized, it's still a good trick. Essentially, what you can do is, or what I like to do is include that short link on every, or link in general, on every slide in a presentation. I like to do it in class and I like to do it um, in, in larger workshops mm -hmm. because then if someone comes late, they're not disruptive. They're not having to stop and say, CZ, can you tell me how I can get to this or disturbing everyone else in the room? And they're not just sitting there clueless for the first half or the entire presentation. They yeah. can come in and, and feel included from the very beginning, especially students. Like if they've had a rough day and they're in the office, they don't want to come in and then, you know, go, oh, why are you late? And all that. We, we want to make them feel welcome. And this is an easy way to do it. And so I used to just, you know, have a little box and copy it one, like on the next, on the next, on the next. Um, but what I do now is I go into the file menu and you find slide. And under slide, there's one that says edit master. Yes. And in there, you pull up a slide. Um, and it's the main slide, and you can, same way, put the little URL in wherever you want, but it will actually repeat that on every single slide without having to copy. So if you have a slide deck that's really huge, it's a good way to do it so you don't have to do that like copy-paste, copy-paste through. And the whole can thing. you do this at the beginning of your presentation or if you've just started working on it anytime. later, you can do it at any time? Anytime you can edit the master. What if you have copied slides from a different presentation and pasted them in and they have a different theme? This is the caveat here. So if you have ones that have different themes, that's when you need to make sure that you go in and change all of them. So let's say you have four different themes in there because you've, as I like to call it, Franken slides. You've, you've taken them and sort of meshed them together. You're going to have to go in and see. Some of them won't take it because okay. the theme is different and it only does the master slide for the theme that you're working on at Got the it. moment. But, but um, I have a, a really a great link actually that shares it out from Alice Keeler's blog that I'll, I'll put in the show notes um, that walks you through really easily because before I used to be like, okay, well, I might have like 10 slides, but now I sort of have bigger slide decks or whatever and sort of choose your own adventure stuff. This really, um, it really does help with the flow and saves me in some time and I'm all about saving time. That's great. So yeah, that's cool. Those are my two little shares. All right, I have another share, also okay. a Google share. Lots of, lots, lots of Google of, goodies. Lots of Google goodies today. Um, okay, so um, thinking about helping our students make their thinking visible. Mm -hmm. Think back to the old days. Oh. The old days. The old days. When we used to ask our students to hand in their 
Uh, I don't actually like to say final copy. I always I always used to say my, their latest copy. Oh, that's nice. Um, when they would hand in their latest copy of whatever they're working on, but include all of their rough drafts. Yeah. Why? Because I wanted to see their thinking. I wanted yeah. to see their revisions. I yeah. wanted to see their edits. I wanted to see the process that they went through to get to their latest copy. So their three-page paper is 400 pages. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and my chiropractor loves that because I think that my chiropractic bill from teaching secondary English uh, bought him a pool. Yeah. in his backyard for all the adjustments I had to have from all the weight of the paper. Yes. So Google Docs has a tool called version history. It used to be mm. called revision history. Yeah. If you go into any Google Doc that has been active for a while, mm -hmm. or even a few minutes really, if you go to the top, there's something that says all changes saved in Drive. You can access the version history from there, or you can go into the file menu and access it from there. When you click on either of those links, a new screen opens up with a panel on the right-hand side, and all the previous versions of that doc, all of its previous iterations, are there. You could then sift through that to see all the edits and revisions, the thinking, the processing, yeah. the changes that your students have made. Awesome. So that in itself is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. However, Again, we want to be efficient. Yeah. To me, I don't have time to go through 30 students' version histories if there's, you know, 50 to 60 different yeah. versions. No, no, no. So here's my thought. They introduced sometime this year the ability to name a version. Yeah. So my thinking is, what if we asked our students to go in, have them take a look at their own version histories, mm -hmm. and ask them to pick one, two, or three versions that they think are worthy of me assessing. I love that. Find a version that shows you thinking about the ideas. Find right. a version that shows you were looking at topic sentences. Find a version that shows you were looking at word choice. Yeah. Find a version that shows you're thinking about grammar and so spelling. So it's big metacognition on their part. Yes. It's not us saying draft thinking. one, draft two. It's yes. Let's think about what draft one actually meant. Yeah. I so, love that. So the metacognition piece, the thinking about thinking. So then you go in, you click on the three dots. Now, oh, Timbits. Timbits. Okay. Tim. Sidebar. Sidebar. <laughs> so, so whenever I run any kind of workshop, I think a lot of people call the app grid, the little like nine square the, thing, the waffle. The waffle. Um, so I was working one day with, with someone and then, you know, I was in Google Classroom and at the top left-hand side, there's the three lines. Yes. And I said, oh, they're like little pancakes. So then we got to those three dots or more actions or more. And I actually call those Timbits. So for those of you who don't have a Tim Hortons around you. So I feel sorry for you. Yeah, it's too bad. Um, Tim Hortons is a, a coffee shop, mostly in Canada, but it has sort of infiltrated yeah, it's creeping the, in different places. upper, uh, like sort of New York State and stuff. Um, but they have their donut holes they call Timbits. So for me, those three little dots to me are the Timbits or the donut holes if you prefer. So, so you've got the Timbits. The waffle and the, and pancakes. the pancakes. You yeah. got your full breakfast meal. Breakfast carbs, totally 100% the way to you're go. You're set. I'm totally set. All right. Okay, so, so you're back in version history. You're back in version history. You click on the three dots Tim and bits. you name, <laughs> sorry, the three tempets. You name the version. Now, you also have the ability to filter so that you only see nice. the named version. So it pulls them up right away. So I think that is a powerful tool that we can ask or invite our students to use to work on their metacognition, make their thinking visible, give them an opportunity to think about their thinking. And as a teacher, we need to have either commenting or editing privileges, correct? Not everyone can see version history, yes. only those? Okay, yes, absolutely. Sure. All right, so 
you have anything else? That's awesome. I have one more. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to Meredith Ackers or Acres. I think it's Ackers, Meredith, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it was a tweet that she shared out, I want to say just probably a month or two ago. Okay. Maybe less, actually, well, here, let me look. Um, and it was a Google Docs add-on. And we had a we don't really have a lot of docs add-ons, no. right? So she tweeted this out on February the 19th, so almost just, just over, about six weeks ago. I'll share the tweet and uh, Meredith's handle, um, at Meredith Ackers, with no C, A-K-E-R-S. That one's right this time, I triple-checked. <laughs> um, uh, and she shared this thing called Story Speaker for Google Docs. It's an add-on. And I thought, what is this? And it's essentially choose your own adventure, which is fine. We can do that in forms, and we can do that in slides already. Yeah. But this allows you to do it with your Google Home. Or your Google Assistant app, which can be used on an iOS. Like I have an iPhone and I use a Google Assistant app. And it is pretty fun. So essentially, what, what I love most about it, I started working on it with my kids. So this was actually how we told Bennett, my oldest son, um, when, he, when he turned eight, that what we were buying him for a birthday. And you essentially open the, I said essentially. The, I, I just heard it hear twice. Me? I heard it twice. Yeah, I, know. I know. So it was, a comment was made that, Jen, you really like the word essentially. And I was like, I do. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Okay. So you open, um, <laughs> that's hilarious. You open the sidebar uh, for, you sorry, you open the add-on and a sidebar pops up. And one of the things that it says is you can use the basic template or the advanced template. And I use the basic. And it brings you up with this template for a story. You have the title and you write that in. You say a byline, so who it's by. And then it says start here. There's a whole bunch of um, lines. Some of them are bolded, some of them are not. And then they indent as you go. So my story starts, it says intro in bold and underneath. So today's the day, the day Bennett turns eight. How do you feel, Bennett? And then the next line is indented, right, with the tab. You can't use spaces. You actually have to use the tab key. And it says, if you say good or great is what's in bold, and then underneath that, not bold, that's awesome. Glad to hear it. Did you have a good day? So essentially, what happens is, <laughs> there it is again. I do. Oh, I need a new word. It's, it's like if you listen to Google Teacher Tribe, I'm super excited. Super excited. Um, They're going to get so, back at you now. <laughs> oh, they are. Darn it. They're going to make me a graphic. Um, sorry, Matt and Casey. Um, so yeah, what happens is every time you have a bold... Um, sort of command, yeah. that's what it's listening for. And every and once it hears it, it doesn't have to hear the whole thing. So if Bennett had responded, like, how do you feel today? I feel great. As soon as it heard great, that response, command would register. That's right. And then so as soon as it hears it, it will respond with whatever's unbolded underneath. Okay. What if he didn't say that, though? Um, if he didn't say that, you have um, what's called a fallback. So I didn't hear anything that I'm supposed to hear. What's that? And you can change those fallbacks throughout the story. So in some sections, it might be one thing and some it might be another. So mine was like, sorry, I, I didn't get that. Um, you can also have any time you say. So if he'd said like, it's my birthday. And it's, I had it like starting to say like, happy birthday to you, cha-cha-cha. Happy birthday to you, cha-cha-cha. Because the kids would think that was hilarious. Um, and I, I set this up and then I wrote some with my children. And my children are in, are in senior kindergarten. So like, you know, five and a half, almost six. And then Bennett, who's eight. And they loved it because we could go through. What I loved about it was the computational thinking was brought to language. Because I think in the language arts, we don't see that that much. We think, okay, it's coding. It's kind of scary. We're all, you know, we're, we're words. And how do we integrate it's symbols, this? It's numbers. It's for and some people that can bring anxiety. For sure. But in this case, it's not. So once you test your story out, and you can actually test it out right in the sidebar here. You say, okay, on update the computer. it on the computer. And so you, and you can type in the response instead of saying it. You start typing them in and you'll notice, like, let's say if, if Bennett had said, I'm great, 
And it kept saying, I'm sorry, I didn't get that. You'd be like, hold on. He was supposed to say. There's something wrong. That's awesome. Yeah, there's something wrong. So they have to go back and almost debug the story the same way we we would debug code. I see this being really beneficial in that sense. Like, okay, we're doing some, some writing, but we still have that computational thinking. I also see it as a way to do review um, sort of activities, either teacher writing or the students writing. Yeah. So in math, for example, I could have questions. Um, so I'm going to do the, okay, uh, three plus five B equals 13. It would read that and then wait for an answer. So you could go and do like your vertical math up on the walls with the erasable um, surfaces. And you can go and then the first, you know, students to run over and yell the answer would then get it because then it would say it was right or not. So you can go over and you go, okay, I think um, B is equal to three. And they're like, nope, try again. And they, okay, is B equal to two? Yes, it is. Now, of course, in a question like that, it might be more simple because they could just yell answers out. But if, you know, setting the right climate in class, I think that this tool could be a really cool way to do those choose your own adventures and have that back and forth with yeah. um, products like, the Google Home. Um, Can I ask though, yeah. if you don't have a Google Home yep. or a Google Mini, you did. You said you could just use oh. it straight on the computer. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It can, it so can it's run accessible to anybody. That's yeah. just a bonus. If yeah. You the to only have thing that. is, if you're running it on your computer, you are going to see um, in the actual uh, document off the sidebar. Okay. Like it, it runs side by side, so you you would have. The answer is sort of there if okay. you were trying not, like one of their default is pig monster and you get eaten okay. by this pig monster. Okay. Um, so you would know how not to get eaten. Got it. But it certainly helps you in the debugging. Or you could not have them look too, right? You could just, you could read it to them and yeah. then type it in. Because I believe, I think it actually will read it to you as well, not just show up in this little like text So box. you know what we need? We need a new extension that allows us to cover up part of mm. what's Okay, that'll be for another day. I have a thought. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Book write market. it down, and I'm gonna bring it in yeah. later. So yeah, that's uh, that's Story Speaker, and I think that nice. it's a lot of sort of goodness that can be had in this tool that a lot of people see as, you know, just tell me what the weather is and play this music. Nice. Yeah, it was really, it was a great share. That's it for this week. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you think others might enjoy some of this learning, please give us a rating. Show notes for this and all episodes can be found at bit.ly forward slash shooks and gif. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash S-H-U-K-E-S and G-I-F-F. As always, we would love to hear your ahas on the Anchor app. Or by tweeting at us using the hashtag shooks and gif sending us an email, or talking to us in real life. I'm Kim Polishuk, and I can be found on Twitter at Kim Polishuk. And I'm Jen Giffen, and I can be found at Virtual GIF with two Fs. Thanks for listening to Shooks and GIF. And as always, have an aha, give it a go. Shooks and GIF is a proud member of Voice Ed Radio. Your voice is right here. For more great content, go to voiceed.ca.